oh, so what, are you a revolutionary? Are you talking about a revolution? And I'm like, yeah, I'm talking about a revolution. I'm talking about a conscious revolution. You're listening to Record Room, where we meet the artist behind an album we love. I'm your host, Will Felker. With 30 years of releases, Nightmares on Wax is the longest-serving artist on Warp Records, a label widely hailed for popularizing and expanding the lexicon of electronic music. 2018 brings Shape the Future, the eighth full-length album from Nightmares on Wax, and in it we find central producer George Evelyn's signatures of the past and optimistic nods to the future. The album intensely captures the relaxed and boisterous noise of intimate songwriting, and the mad genius of Evelyn's wild and heady sound. All humans share one. I originally was in a peyote ceremony in Mexico, and I recorded the ambience of that ceremony in the jungle, just me and my wife, and the shaman, and these two helpers. And at the time of recording... Uh, the, the ambience and the hickory, which is the, ch- the chant that the uh, Yuichos, uh Indians have. I was listening to um, the kind of melody and trying to count it, what he was chanting. So later on, when I listened back to that recording, I was came up with the idea of maybe it would be interesting to score like some orchestration to the <laughs> melody that he was chanting. That was the original idea. And then two years later, I was in another ceremony in... Ibiza, where I live, and um, a shaman who I've done work with before, he's from Texas, a guy called Quautli Vasquez. I was in one of his ceremonies, and this, when, he, when, he, when he speaks, he speaks so much from the heart. He's like, he waxes lyrical about just really simple things. It really resonates with him. We've become really close, we've become really good friends. And then, like, forward from that, I was at home, and I was, like, just contemplating some stuff. And I was thinking about human human relationship with nature and how we seem to have this amnesia as we seem to have this idea or be fed this idea that there's the human race and then there's nature rather than we are a part of nature. And I was thinking it would be really nice to get that across in a song somehow. And then I thought maybe I could just meet Crowley one morning when he comes to Ibiza next and just have a conversation about getting back to nature which I did. We had that conversation. I recorded that conversation. And that's what we hear on the song. And that's correct? what we hear on the song, yeah. But I didn't have any music at this point. And then an amazing composer and pianist, trumpet player that I worked with called Sebastian Studeninski, I invited him over to Ibiza for three days to work on some of the tracks on the album or songs I was working on at the time. And um, I told him about this idea. And he was like, yeah, that's amazing. I was like, I've got the conversation now. And he was like, well, we need music. <laughs> and I'm like, right, okay. So then I started to put some beats together and the, and the, the bass line and stuff. I was like, wait, maybe if I just get this, this ambience that I recorded in the jungle and put that over the top of the music first and maybe find the melody in there. And literally, I picked the audio up, I dropped it on the track, and it was in time, it was in the same key of what I'd written this beat as, and the bass line had. And I was just like, whoa. Like, wow, that's amazing. So then we wrote the keyboard line and a little bit of the strings, and it's was like, right, we need to get Quoutley in there, we need to get this conversation in there. And I had like nearly two hours of conversation, yeah. So, and I wanted to be re- respectful in how I used it, 
I didn't want to manipulate it. I didn't want to, because he was speaking from the heart and it was so, so the truth was so strong. And you have to represent the Huchel ceremonies that you went through and then the other one in Texas. So yeah, that's a lot. It's like, so I got to this stage where I felt really, really uncomfortable, like really uncomfortable. And I was like, why am I feeling so uncomfortable? So I took a break, went and sat in my garden and I was just like, oh my God, I was just like, what is this? And I was just like, it's because it's the truth. This is not, I'm like, this is not, I'm not like, I'm not just like writing a song to tell people. This is a message to myself. Am I doing enough? Am I back to nature enough? Am I, what about my daily operation of how I operate? Am I, am I connecting with nature? Am I appreciating it all the time? It's had all this, this like massive revelation happen while, while I was, while I was uh, making the song. So that was the uncomfortableness. And then that, that kind of even inspired me more to definitely follow this song through because it was just like, yeah, there should be discomfort. Truth is not meant to be comfortable. Do you know what I mean? So Self truth in particular. <laughs> in particular, yeah. So then I went to find the right section where Quality's like was waxing lyrical and his conversation was was fluid. And I dropped that on the track. And it was in time. It was I didn't have to do anything. Apart from the bits where there's pauses, where I I, I paused him for a while and then brought him back in. But it literally just all fit in the same time, in the same rhythm. And I was just like, then we were, me and Sebastian were in the studio and we were like, oh my God, this is like, it was like, it went from, from making a song and having this initial idea to then like feeling like you were channeling something. It wasn't anything to do with you. You were channeling it, but you was not the creator of it. That's what it felt like. And that's back to nature. How long have you been in Ibiza? 12 years in May. Looking back on the last 12 years, what's grounded you? What's changed? Ibiza has given me space. Give me space to contemplate. Give me time to, 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 to even start the process of getting to know myself. You know, because I think that you can... You, well, I definitely spent parts of my life thinking I knew, I knew who I was. Now I'm in a space where I don't know who I am, but I'm going to enjoy finding out. And it's a much more comfortable space to be in. I think that we, we it's very easy to get caught up in the... Um, what I stand for, what I believe in, kind of, kind of language, you know, because that just, I've learned, and I'm learning that that just confines you, man. It's a trap. Do you know what I mean? Everything around, everything that's outside of you is always changing. So why, why aren't you, you know? Is it fatherhood that brought that perspective? No, it was actually because I was a father, like I was four years into being a father already before I moved to Ibiza. So there were definitely big changes when that happened at the time. It was kind of more of an upheaval than anything, just because I think, I think when you have a child, you go into survival mode. You just go into this. I definitely did. I did all these things, did all these investments, did all this stuff, which I thought I was meant to do. But now when I look back on it, I was just in survival mode because I started getting somebody else to think about apart from just me and my wife. Do you know what I mean? It was like, so I think that that kind of spun me out a little bit. Um, but what I'm saying with Ibiza is, you know, Ibiza is an amazing place. Obviously, people go there, party and do whatever. But when you live there and you spend time there in the winter, you know, they call it the White Island, you know, and the reason why it's called the White Island is because the most of the island is on crystal, amethyst crystal. Um, there's also a rock just off the island called uh, Esvedra, which is the crossing point between the equinox and the summer solstice line. So it's got this crazy magnetic energy, but that energy, does, that, 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 that magnetism doesn't favor anything. So it'll magnify the good and the bad, you know? So when you spend time there, you can't get away from yourself, which means you have to look at your shit. Through looking for your shit means that you need to forgive yourself and you need to process some stuff. And through that, 
that kind of unravels whoever you thought you were. Do you know what I mean? And I thank Ibiza for that. It gave me that not just within my in my personal life, but it gave me that with my music as well. Because what happened, I was pretty exhausted when I moved to Ibiza. I toured loads, I DJed loads. I kind of almost burnt myself out. And, and, I, and I lost my connection to what it was that I was doing. And my head and my mind got in the way because I was so exhausted in what I was doing. And then I started to think about what I was doing rather than just feeling it. Um, and Ibiza gave me a blank canvas and allowed me to feel my way back into my music. Um, you know, and fall back in love to, in what I do. Through that comes this this kind of sense of freedom of being able to do anything. And I just need to do me. But the real me... Not the me that thinks it needs to be a certain way to fit into fashion, trend, or a scene. I understand being part of a scene and being part of trends and being part of fashion because I've been there when I was younger. But to not have that as an importance and make music is a wonderful thing. I'll give a secret ingredient about how to enjoy a beaver here. Don't take your shit there. If you're having a shit, man, go there, go there and leaving it behind because it'll blow up in your face. Whatever your issues are, when you go to Ibiza, make sure you're in a state of gratitude and appreciation. And if you are, it will serve you. It's just one of them places. It will. It's a, it's a giving place. Do you know what I mean? Did you make most of the record there in the studio you have? Yeah. Some of the ideas were, were sketched up while I was on the road touring, you know, and I've been touring extensively since 2013. So some of it was written in the Dominican Republic when I was doing the holidays events there with STS9 and stuff like that. I was just sat on the beach, you know, smoking a joint and came up with some lyrics with Tell My Vision. Um, other parts of it uh, was in Berlin, recording with the strings and stuff like that. And, so, and then when, I got to, when, I, when the album started to come together, I kind of felt there was something missing. So I decided to go back to Leeds and record. I thought I just need, I need to go back to Leeds which I did and that, that and then the track Tomorrow was born out of that Got a Smile was born out of that you know which is funny because a lot of people say oh Got a Smile it sounds really Balearic it sounds really Ibiza but it was actually written in Leeds <laughs> choice to sing throughout the record 
literally 18 months, maybe 10 months before the album dropped, I still didn't really know what it was. <laughs> Even though I had it, I was still playing with a running order and all this kind of trying to find the journey right properly, which was, this has been the, the hardest album to compile I've ever done. Why? Um, I, well, I don't know. All my other albums have been easy to compile. Uh, this one was just the hardest. And then I got to a point where I was just like, oh my God, there's loads of vocals on here. And I was just like, oh shit. Then I was just like, that kind of had to sit with that and accept that for a while. The old kind of uh, attitude would be to kind of compare and have a comparison to previous albums and what the fans are used to and all that sort of stuff. And then I was just like, you're not practicing what you're, you're preaching here. You've got to follow your heart and you've got to do this how you truly want to hear it and how you truly feel it, regardless of what anybody else thinks. You know, so there's a bit of a seesaw with that. Do you know what I mean? And I think all creators go through this. You go through a stage of then getting getting there and going, yeah, but is it any good? Which is a really scary question to ask yourself. Even right down to the, the last thing you're like, is this any good? That's a bit the same with a person who spent months on a painting. You know, it's like you step back and you have a look and you're like, yeah, but is it any good? So, but with this, I realised that I had a lot. I have a lot to say with things I've experienced, things that we all go through. And it brought the question to me. The question to me was, was do we own our reality? So, and that's not just a, that's not just a question to everybody. It was a question to myself. And then that got me to the point of ownership of your imagination, of your vision, of how you see things and why you see them like that. And if you see them in a certain way, are you, is it really how you see them or is that what you've been told? Everywhere I've been in the world, wherever that's Israel, Jordan, Beirut, China, Australia, you know, all these different places. And I'm always inquisitive when I get there, when I meet the promoter or people I meet and I ask about what's going on in, in the, their social spectrum. Every place has the same thing. Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants love. Everybody wants to be able to provide for their family. So why is that not the narrative? I mean, I couldn't understand it, right? And then I was like going, you know what? It's not about conspiracy theories. It's about what is real to you is what is happening in your reality, right? But most people don't feed off what their reality is. They feed off of the information they're given and then look at the world like that. And I'm saying now, let's stop talking about how the world is. Let's talk about how we want it to be. We put a bunch of children in a room that are not affected by dogma, not affected by politics and stuff, and ask them how they would like to see the world. I bet you it would be optimistic. So why can't we do that as adults? Why can't we tap into that inner child and start thinking about how we want things to be rather than how they are? It's too easy to complain. It doesn't fix anything. Nobody's coming down from another planet to save you. Government ain't sorting anything out. I know it's not easy in politics, but at the end of the day, the system is broken. And as long as the system is run by money, which is only held by the few, it's never going to be set up for the people. So then it's up to us. I think the Hopi tribes say we are the ones we've been waiting for. And I think it's up to us. This brought me to the title of the album, Shape the Future. So if we start thinking about how we want to see the world, then I think we could make a shift. Let's have a conscious revolution. Let's not be tied down to the paradigm that's being given to us, which seems to be pretty negative at the moment. I think that's a great opportunity to be positive. Thinking about the new people you brought in to the fold for this record, how did you harness a youthful optimism with them? We always sit down, we chat, we chat about, we chat some shit. And then through it, you write some music. I think Jordan Rakai was the exception to that because Jordan had come out and played the closing party of my Wax the Jam event. 
every year, do a barbecue and stuff like that. So I'd, I'd, we'd invited the band down to come and join us at the barbecue the next day. My studio's at home. And I said, so we'd got Jordan in the studio and said, look, I've got a bunch of beats here. Play some loops, da, 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 da. pick one out, maybe write something to one. And he picked out that 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 that, that, that said track. Typical. Typical, he picked right. up, took that out. He started writing. I went off and, and was running around, sorting the barbecue out, blah, blah, blah. And I came back down and he'd written the song. And that piece of music I'd had for 10 years. And it had never got to where it needed to get to until that moment. That moment. Do you know what I mean? And the, the, the thing about the song at first, I was like, I loved the song, but I wasn't sure if it went with the album. And then I realized that within a relationship to each other, there's a struggle. Because one wants to be loved and one wants to give love, but each side of them can think that that's not happening when it actually is. And I thought, that's happening in everyday life for people. So that's part of reality too. It took me a while to digest that and understand that as the message started to come in the album, it wasn't like, um, oh, well, this is the message and this is how we need to see the world and that's it. I was just like, no, we need to get deeper. We need to get deeper. There's the world going on. Of course there is. There's how we see it, but we need to check ourselves. But it's also how we see each other. But these negative influences that are happening through news and different media sources are all the things that affect us in a way of how we see each other as well. If you could at least pay attention to your judgments of how you're judging people, are they even yours? Or have you just picked them off a shelf of somewhere and decided to carry it? Because what's it about? Because however you're looking at somebody is how you're looking at yourself. But we can do it in such an unaware way that we don't even realise that's what we're doing. We're walking down the street and somebody might look a particular way and you're judging them. Why? If you're in a in a headspace where you feel shit, it means you've forgotten something. If you're in a headspace and you feel good, it means you've remembered. You don't even need to know all the like the psychological principles of how a mind works. You just need to work on vibration. So if it feels if it feels shit or you're feeling shit, you've just forgotten something. All right, you could say, Oh well I feel shit because this person said this or this story's happening or I can't pay my bills, blah 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 blah. They're just stories. They're not you. They're just stories, but we attach ourselves to stories and we allow them to consume us. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, if you've, if you've got breath and you're breathing, you're good.
You mentioned a story about Citizen Kane with uh, Moses. Yeah. I think we were on tour in 2015. For the anniversary um, tour. For the 25th anniversary right. of Nightmares and Wax. And we were doing a show called What The Festival in Oregon, in Mount Hood. Great memory, yeah. In Mount Hood. We'd had like quite a bit of space cake. And uh, we was on the tour bus and I had set up a studio on the back of the tour bus. And we went off for six weeks and we didn't do any music apart from this one particular night. It's so bizarre. This one night we got on a vibe, we were buzzing on the tour bus and I just started to play some loops. I've always got like ideas and stuff like that. I started playing some loops on my laptop and I said to Moses, I said, oh my God, you won't believe what's on here. He's like, what? And he went, I'm going to play this song now, right? And it was a rough demo of Citizen Kane from 2001 that I had on my laptop and I played it and that I'd done with Moses right never came to fruition I played it to him and he was just like oh my god I forgot about this song and I'm like we need to do this song we need to do this song fast forward like nearly 14 15 years later this song comes to life do you know what I mean but again this is a story of somebody who wants to love and wants to show his love but he cannot be understood so when he's saying, I feel like Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane was a rich guy, right? Who had everything, but never received love and never really gave love or tried to, but didn't really, wasn't really understood. So that's why he feels like Citizen Kane, you know? So, but again, this is a song that's been sat there for all this time, but then it came to fruition. And that's why I say there's never a rush to finish a record. When it's meant to surface, it will surface, you know? How did the Alan Kingdom version come? together that was the brainchild of my manager Kazim um, basically we were talking about like it'd be cool to do a US kind of version and then um, and uh, Kazim put me on to Alan who I totally rate and thought was like he's like very unique artist um, and I'm not I'm not a big fan of recording remotely I like to be in the studio with somebody um, but we were like he we, we sent him the track and he was like yeah man let me just just give it a shot and I was just like right cool let's let him give it a shot and he came back and he nailed it and that blew me away because that it's very rare that that happens do you know what I mean to get the spirit of the song and yeah just to get the vibe do you know what I mean you, you kind of especially from a producer point of view you need to you want to be connected with the artist in that way when we did the video was when I got a chance to meet him and stuff like that and he's a true representation of his spirit he's just such a really nice spirited guy do you know what I mean and uh, amazing talent you know you mentioned uh, Deep Shadows a few minutes ago and I am loving the Illa J remix of mm. the song yeah I mean like like literally I have been raving about the home the home album yeah it's phenomenal I'm like because I mean I I, I know I, I checked his earlier stuff and I thought his stuff was cool. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but for me, the home album, not just production-wise, but vocally and everything, I was just like, oh my God, this guy's just gone to somewhere else now. He's just like... And I, I, and like every interview is like, what are you listening to now? Even though I've been listening to that since, what, did it drop last September or something yeah. like that? Um, I'm like... That's the that's the album I'm gonna I'm gonna plug because I'm just like you can't sleep on this stuff. Do you know what I mean? I'm like that's a classic album. I know it is. I already know it is. Do you know what I mean? Because I listen to it and it's already over before I've you know I'm ready. So I listen to it again. I listen to it on my travels. I'm just like because the production and the vocal textures and stuff. So 
when we were talking about getting remixes in, I'm like, you got to get this guy, man. This guy's going to eat you up. I've got to get this guy in. Boom. Yancy stamp. Yeah. hits you before you even know it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But the thing is as well, for me, what I love about the home album and what I love about his character that's coming through, I don't even need to mention his brother. You know, like, it, 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 we, you know, we know the respect and we know everything they said, but he's on his own, man. He's on his own right. And that, that was the thing about the home album. It was his identity that came through and his character came through for me, you know, Indeed, re- regardless yeah. of his relatives. Do you know what I'm saying? Of course. You know, to me, to that. So, um, and I think he's done the same with this remix. I'm like, if you'd have dropped that mix to me and like, I didn't know who was involved. I would be rattling my brain to try to try and nail down who it is exactly. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I love about him. I think he's unique, you know? Yeah. I'm a sucker for the shaker on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That shaker's crazy. I can't wait to play it. I've not had a chance to DJ it out yet. So I'm like, I can't wait. Every, people are going to be dropping it before I do. Yeah, you're always <laughs> on the move. I'd like to know about your relationship with Andrew Ashong because I love him so yeah. much and always. We'd all be bugging him for an album. <laughs> I'm always like, like feverishly looking for whatever he's doing. It's like, yeah. So the EP, put out two years ago when I yeah. saw that it opened with a song with him and then immediately upon looking at the track list for Shape the Future I was like thank god there's another one right yeah <laughs> Andrew's been- an amazing talent and a wonderful wonderful human being basically he was a, a similar story actually to Jordan but he, we, I invited him out to come and play Waxer Jam my party to come and do like an acoustic set in the, in the, in the garden at, my, at the event and then I was like, yo, if you're coming to beef, why do you come stay at mine for a few days? We're going to the studio. And basically, in the few days, we did the World Inside track. And then I had the Telma Vision idea already, uh, but it was just as a singular vocal. But I wanted to make it more of a conversation. Um, and I thought Andrew would be perfect for that. I'll be honest with you, we did struggle making the tune because at, the, the, at first he wasn't getting it. He was just like... I thought really, he was like, I think it needs to key change here and da 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 da. And I was like, nah, bro. I'm like, it's a conversation. It needs to be from an observer point of view, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then like about 5 a.m. in the morning, he kind of got it. He was like, oh yeah, you mean we need to go some like kind of amp fiddler, George Clinton kind of shit on it? I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what, like I said, I cannot say enough good things about this guy. He's an amazing, talented dude, uh, an amazing, just an amazing human being. Um, and that was the connection, really. And, you know, you know, I don't think our, our musical journey is over, put it that way, you know. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but as well, I'm bugging him for an That's album. That's the most optimistic thing you've said all day. <laughs> I'm not like, I'm, I'm bugging him for an album just like everybody else is. And he's constantly going, oh, yeah, I'm doing my thing. I love it. I mean, even when I just talk to other music nerds about him and I've always end up like yelling about him and I don't be to and I'm like this is not the vibe I would want to set for an Andrew Ashton conversation but um, nuts for him yeah. tell me about the band you've put together for this record because I know iterations of it include Sadie and LSK yeah LSK obviously we got back from 70s 80s and right. and well we got back man so to teenage years so it's amazing to have him out on the road with us Sadie is a new breed you know we she kind of did a couple she did a show with me about two years ago um we just clicked she came to do a live show for us and um coming towards the end of the album as the album started to take shape I was just like I need a female presence on here man I need some female energy on here too it's like I've got loads of male vocals and I've got a gospel choir and all that that's cool that's like that was like 
four or six six girls or whatever but I'm like I need a lead I need a female and I was just like we get Sadie and let's get Sadie over to Ibiza and, and let's do this and she came over we spent three days together um, and just like really fell into a space of it and, and, and she just did amazing with it you know so I'm very excited about Sadie she's just like like she's only 26 27 you know and she's just got an incredible voice yeah there's be more to come from that as well <laughs> optimism there as well because more to come from that so but on the live show front we've got grant kershaw on drums who's told with me this is his third tour now with us incredible drummer um on the european room we had the keyboard player dan goldman jd73 uh but he's not on the u.s trip so at the moment we're we're, we're rocking with a four-piece band at the moment um but it's been a blast, man. I mean, like, the support out here is incredible. It really, really is. It's just like, it doesn't matter how many times I come and tour here, it still shuts me up in the way how amazing the response is, the amount of love here, and just, you know, the reception's just been, yeah, it's been, it couldn't have asked for anything better, really. How much of that is, do you think, due to the fact that you can appear in a lot of different forms with the Nightmares on Wax project. Yeah, I mean, well, I, the thing is, is that, like I said, going back to, I'll go back to the, uh, what Abitha gave me, it was just a realisation of like, these are all what I'm made up of. This is how I started. So I can't neglect the DJing because that's, I'm a DJ. I'm a music man, for, music, music fan first and then I'm a DJ, then I'm a producer. Do you know what I mean? And now maybe, yeah, I'll do some vocals, you know, but, but that's, that's the, that's my foundation. So, and then I've got sound system background as well. So it's like, I, I want to incorporate all my, my, my ingredients really in what I do. And I should, I don't think I should shy away from it. You know what I mean? So, and actually doing the first tour, I think we did a sound system tour here in a bit in, um, in the US in 2009. You know, that was us bringing the British reggae sound system culture approach to dropping the music that I do. And that really what when I came to America and we came and did that, that really, really woke me up to how, how important it is to, to, to really encapsulate what you are as a British artist. Do you know what I mean? Because we looked at, you know, I grew up looking at America so much for influences in music and America's always held in high regard for me, especially through hip hop culture and stuff like that. But coming and doing that tour made me realize how British we were and how important that was. Do you know what I mean? So I think through that, that stopped me shying away from all the elements of what I do and I try to incorporate all of it so that there's... Because it's a representation of the truth. This is what I've grown up in and this is where all my influences are. So why, you know I mean, why why, why, why play down any of it if you, if, you, if you want, you know? I mean, the origins of sound system culture that you experience is humble and has everything to do with that youthful experience you had in Leeds, right? Yeah. I mean, building yeah. sound systems out of what, TV parts and shoeboxes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was all playful. That's what I'm saying. It was all playful. There was bravado in there, but it was it still Do you still feel like Nightmares on Wax is playful, even though it's a bit bigger in scale? Yeah, definitely. Man, you know what? If there's no fun in what I'm doing, I'm doing the wrong thing. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a, to me, it's like DJing's meant to be fun. Doing live shows meant to be fun. Touring's meant to be fun. Doing press is meant to be fun. It's not, I'm not doing it. It's as simple as that, do you know what I mean? So, and most of the things I do in my life is fun. So that's, that's, I, I, I stick with that, you know, like I used to be the young guy that, that turn up and be a bit grumpy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, but then just like wake up to the, I've woken up to my reality of what's going on. At the end of the day, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing is because of music. That's amazing. <laughs> do 
It doesn't matter if I'm eating a sandwich down the street or if I'm sat on the sun lounger in Rio. It's because of music. So I can't take any of that shit for granted and remember how beautiful it is and just have fun with it. Do you know what I mean? And if that gives me the opportunity to spread a bit of awareness, spread a bit of love, make people happy, then that's even better. Do you know what I mean? But that's where I'm. That's what I'm about, man. I'm about doing things at my highest joy. Record Room is produced, hosted, and edited by Will Felker. Hey, this episode was mixed and mastered by Federico Foglia, who's talked me off many a ledge during post-production. Our theme music is by Dawood Anthony, and our artwork is by Tom McQuaid. Very special thanks to Shannon Kurlander at Terrorbird Media for making this interview possible, and also to the Warp Records Brooklyn office for hosting our conversation. Thank you for listening, and if you've made it this far... You're a good person. Hey. Oh, God.